community, collaboration, service, uh, togetherness, um, using our powers and our abilities to better ourselves and you know one another is dripping in black. Welcome to the Dripping in Black podcast, where we celebrate black excellence throughout the black diaspora. Here's your host, David V. Lewis. What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis. And as usual, we have another fantastic guest. Today's guest is Darius Lewis. Darius, say hello to the world. What's up, world? (laughs) Yeah, so today's episode is a very, very special one. Because Darius is my firstborn, my oldest child, um, and someone whom I'm very proud of and love to just kick it with. But oddly enough, this is our fourth season, and I've been chasing him for the whole four seasons. to come on to the podcast but he's a busy busy man and he finally made time for his dad so we'll get into Darius and what he does and, um, in terms of black excellence throughout this world but we always start off with a very simple below the question of who is our guest so who is Darius Lewis yeah so um, my answer is probably going to be one of the most simple answers, but uh, Darius is just a human being. I'm just a a person here on this planet trying to make the most of my experience, um, you know, and and make the most of my experience for myself and for those I care about, all those around me. Um, So yeah, I I think I'm just somebody to make an impact um, the best way I know how. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, in essence, what your story is going to be a lot about. So we'll get into that, but tell the world a little bit about where you're from and your upbringing. Yeah. So, um, I'm originally from Detroit. Um, you know, both of my parents are East Siders and, uh, East side. Yeah. So, but I, I always tell everybody that I've lived a little bit of everywhere throughout the city. Um, so I have that um, as a part of me. And, you know, even eventually moving out to the suburbs and living in Sterling Heights uh, during my later teen years. Um, so, yeah, born to David and uh, Kristen, um, brother, father, husband, you know, all of the hats, all of the above. And, yeah, now I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, so talk a little bit about your uh, <laughs> high school experience. What schools did you attend? Yeah, so I started at Cass Tech, ninth grade. Uh, made it about halfway through ninth grade at Cass and ended up, you know, having to move schools. Um, I think that year... I went to Redford uh, High School, second semester for ninth grade. Uh, my mom uh, basically wanted me to go to Cast Tech so bad that she uh, did some work to get me back at Cass. So went into Cast Tech for my sophomore year, 
started off there, uh, wasn't able to finish that cast and had to get moved again. And I finished my sophomore year at Mumford High School. And then eventually uh, my junior year, maybe the summer, right before my junior year, we moved to Sterling Heights and uh, I graduated from Sterling Heights Stevenson High School out there. Yeah, and I think your high school story is integral in a lot of ways. For sure. But, um, it wasn't just your mom that helped you get back in cast. I was there too. <laughs> for sure, just, for sure. Just make sure so, we put that on. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely both people are involved, but I guess, you know, maybe just from my experience, she seemed to be a little bit more adamant about mm -hmm. there versus yeah. Yeah, so we went up to the school over the summer and talked to one of the assistant principals, I believe, to get you back in. Yeah. And it worked. And then, uh, of course, uh, it didn't last. But anyway, so a couple of things happened along the way. You met someone at uh, King. Let's talk about that. Met someone at King? I'm sorry. I said King, but uh, um, oh, Mumford. My bad. Oh, yeah, my yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, um yeah, Mumford is really kind of an interesting thing to think about. But uh, the very first class I had at Mumford um, was, I don't even remember what subject it was, but I remember walking in, uh, the teachers, like, you know, maybe mid-class room work, and she stopped to say, just kind of introduced me to the class. And the very first person I saw, and I actually noticed, was Danielle, who is my wife, uh, to him, um, and mother of my three children. So, uh, yeah, it was just really like, I wouldn't say love at first sight type of thing, but I would say we connected immediately. And I think we both felt that, you know, from that day. Yeah. Yeah, our mentor, Jimmy Hammond, would say the universe unfolds as it's supposed to. And so, you know, you had these chopped up experiences in high school and then oddly enough, the time and fit where you met uh, Miss Danielle. What up, Danielle? Yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about you leave um, Sterling Heights Stevenson and you matriculate into college. Where do you go to go to college? Um, yep. So leave Stevenson and go to Michigan State University uh, for four years. And then after my uh, time in Michigan State, went to Eastern Michigan to get my master's um, in sport management. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And all the time there, uh, Danielle is with you as well, uh, yeah. matriculating through Michigan State as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get a couple of, I get a couple of grandkids along the way uh, <laughs> while you're up there as well. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk a little bit about your athletic experience. Um, in high school and things that you kind of picked up from that experience they they kind of set the foundation for what you're doing today most definitely so um my freshman year in high school like i said i started off at Cass, and you know Cass is a pretty big school uh was was big then i think we had just moved i don't know if we were the first class to be in that new building that they had or we weren't too far from it um, so, you know, it was kind of like a, a really exciting time for Cass. Um, so, you know, first tryouts, 
they the way they do their tryouts is if you make the first round of cuts, you're welcome to come back. And, you know, it's a second round of cuts. And if you make it, you make the team. So I remember making the first round of cuts during my freshman year. Um, and then somewhere in between there, uh, we had a pep rally. <laughs> uh, and we got KDZ, who's a, you know, notable rapper in the Detroit area. He came to it. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of just notable artists who came to the pep mm -hmm. rally. But sharing all that to say, uh, it got all the kids pretty riled up. And me mm -hmm. being one of those kids, I ended up getting in some trouble. Uh, during that pep rally and ended up getting kicked out of Cass Tech. Um, so I don't know whether I had real chances of making the team um, and being a part of the Cass Tech program or not, but I do know, you know, that uh, incident uh, pretty much derailed my chances of being on any team. Um, I pretty much missed tryouts and tryout period at all schools. So my freshman year in high school, I didn't play uh, sports scholastically at all. So, uh, you know, that was a big thing for me because I had been playing basketball all my life up until that point. So, you know, that was the first time I didn't have anything to do really outside of school. Um, and then sophomore year, uh, kind of a similar thing, not – I don't even know if I made it to the first round of tryout sophomore year, but like I said, got back into Cass Tech, ended up getting in trouble again, uh, was kicked out and suspended for quite a while. Actually, I remember uh, I did try out for the Mumford basketball team. So I didn't miss tryouts completely, um, but I got to Mumford and uh, again, it was a relatively big school, but a lot of kids tried out for this basketball team. And I just don't think that I was, um, uh, one, I wasn't that talented to where I just stood out amongst the, the group. Um, and two, I was an unknown face. You know, nobody really knew who I was. Like I said, I came to the school halfway through the school year. And uh, I think all those things combined um, limited my chances of uh, actually making that that team. So going into my junior year, I kind of got smart about things and, and realized that a lot of the kids that actually made the basketball team were kids who had been working out with the basketball team earlier prior to tryouts during the summer or had some type of connection with the coach or you know, were, were uh, in the coach's class, whatever the case may be, they they weren't just unfamiliar faces. Um, yeah. So I got smart about it. And once I found out where I would be going for my junior year in high school, uh, it was still summer. I remember reaching out to the coach and just asking, like, do you guys have anything going on uh, workout-wise? Is the basketball team doing anything? And they were doing some summer conditioning. So uh, – he offered me the chance to come up and work out with the team. Um, I did that. And, you know, the first day right away, he just took, took a liking to me. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I think I just kind of worked hard and, you know, I was talented. So anybody could see that, but uh, I think taking that initiative and just trying to reach out and get that connection early gave me 
uh, and a little bit of an advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so you you're able to play uh, basketball your last two years of uh, high school. Right. Um, would you say that that impacted? Well, let me let me let me say it this way: How did that impact? your high school experience. So you have the first two years without basketball and then the last two years with it. Um, how did that single factor impact uh, your high school experience? Um, in a major way, I feel like for me, it just made high school a lot easier, um, a lot more tolerable, um, more enjoyable. You know, it, it just was, I got to do what I, truly love to do, um, you know, for the first time um, in my high school career. So, you know, in comparison to the previous two years, I, I really, when I think back to that time, I really feel like I just was, I was almost like coasting through life. Like I yeah. really wasn't, you know, um, happy, to, you know, for lack of a better word, but mm. definitely low energy, not excited as much. So having mm. that opportunity to play basketball just kind of brought some life you know back to especially my school experience yeah yeah yep and then so you graduate uh cum laude yeah from sterling high stevenson yep. and you end up uh unfortunately you end up at michigan state uh, i don't hold that against you go blue yeah um and you go there and you you try out for the team there yes i did yeah mm-hmm Talk about that experience. Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, I talked about how I wised up and got smart in high school and, you know, went out early and took the steps to try to make the connection with the coaches. Somewhere along the lines, I forgot, I forgot the, I forgot the rule. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I did basically what I did my first couple years in high school I did that in college at Michigan State mm -hmm. University which is a division one program you know one of the most recognized programs in the country if you know not more yeah. Um, yeah so you know saying all that to say you go to Michigan State they they have a tryout there's literally probably a thousand people in the gym for the tryout and mm, wow uh, the way they their tryout, the way they did the tryouts is really maybe they did a few warm up drills, but other than that, they had like three or four courts going at once, and it's basically mm. this team playing this team, this team playing this team, this team playing that team, and it's like mm. you know you gotta show your stuff, and it's mm -hmm. like you know uh, so again, me just being realistic. I don't even know if I was a D1 caliber player, you know, to be mm. completely honest. I think that um, I, I would have been more successful on the D2 level. I definitely think I was, you know, I could have done D3, but I think even a D2 NAIA type of level would have fit me mm. perfectly. Um, but saying all that to say, being at a D1 tryout, you know, if you're not LeBron James or you're not coming in just really wow in the crowd, something like that, it's going to be hard to make a, a, a basketball team when they're unfamiliar with you. Um, yeah. and they, maybe they're trying to fill one spot, one or two spots. Um, so you know, a thousand people in the gym, slim pickings. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's your athletic side of it. You also go there and you graduate with a bachelor's in kinesiology. Yeah. And then at some point you start this, and this is what we're going to talk a lot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start your 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 found your business, which is now Foundation Made Students Athletics. Mm-hmm. So talk about talk about the creation of this and the thought behind May Student Athletics that, that led you to forming it. Yeah, so it was a perfect segue because literally um, my experience, my athletic experience and, you know, all the things we talked about was really the catalyst to uh, me getting started in my businesses. So um, to kind of make it a little bit of a short version, after I didn't make the team during that Michigan State tryout, um, that summer I ended up having my first child. So this is my freshman year in college. Uh, found out, you know, my wife, or really at the time my girlfriend, was pregnant, and uh, I would be having a child um, in August. So saying all that to say, I really put sports to the side and did everything I could just to kind of prepare for my daughter. Um, And then it wasn't until I want to say my junior year in college where I actually was just kind of maybe examining my life and was thinking like, like, man, like, how did, you know, how did I get here? You know, and, um, you know, really realized I went to Michigan State just off of following my girlfriend. You know, I didn't really Mm. take any time to think about it or really make a calculated decision about where I wanted Mm. to go. Um, So, you know, knowing how much I love basketball, it's just like, where where did the basketball go? Um, You know, uh, what things could I have done differently? And to me, the biggest thing was if I had a mentor, uh, if I had somebody to kind of coach me along the way, I don't think I would even went to Michigan State University. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I remember having people tell me, oh, you're good enough to play at the college level. You could do this, you could do that. But, you know, that was kind of like in one ear, out the other. I never really did anything about it. So for me, it was like if I had that experience, how many other youth are out there having a similar experience and could benefit you know, from somebody kind of guiding them along the way. So that is what birth um, at the time what we call Detroit made um, and, you know, what I do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have Detroit made, which is now May Student Athletics. Yeah. And what does it what does it do, let's say, on the nonprofit end of it? Yeah, so on the nonprofit side, really what we do is just try to, open up opportunity um, for youth who are in the urban areas in particular um, to experience sport on a uh, more, I want to say a grand scale in the sense that, you know, there are other things involved outside of just playing the sport itself. Um, So there's a term that I picked up during my research uh, you know, before starting the business called athletication. And I can't remember the guy that actually came up with this term, but I remember him defining it as um, the tendency for us to push our urban youth towards sports and entertainment um, mm-hmm. as a sole career path. 
And, mm. you know, I felt like that was me, you know, and not that, you know, I feel like my parents or anything like that were kind of pushing me to go one direction or another, but just my community, that just is what we talked about. We talked about mm. being basketball players or professional NFL players. We didn't, we didn't talk about nothing else. <laughs> like I, mm, yeah. So, um, you know, when I read that, it was like, man, like, yeah, that that's true. I could see that. And then just even along my uh, high school career, I could see kids who were actually playing for the team who uh, maybe got, um, you know, extra credit for certain things that they didn't do work or they didn't have to come to class. And it's like, you know, on some level, you may be setting that kid up for failure um, when you yeah. think you're helping them out. So going back to the term athletication, uh, May, Detroit May was really founded on this idea of being anti-athletication and mm-hmm. using sports as a vehicle for success and not the source of success. So we, we just aim to open our kids' eyes to the other opportunities around sports. Yeah. So talk about where made is now. How how is it how is it going? And what kind of impact do you feel like it's having at this point? Yeah, so made the two sides. So with the nonprofit side right now, um, it's a little bit quiet and we've been quiet um pretty much since COVID. Um, but you know, we still host a variety of programs, but we don't do as much fundraising and things like that as we once did. Uh, we did have a travel basketball program at one point, uh, which we've kind of put to the side uh, since the COVID as well. But uh, currently we offer a free basketball program every first and third Friday of the month that we call Midnight Run. And basically what that is, is like our basketball party. Um, so we invite a bunch of kids in, we split them up into teams, uh, we referee and officiate the games, we supervise the games and make sure every player gets a chance to play. Uh, we usually have a DJ or we'll have the music going in the background while they're playing. And it's really just kind of something we did for one, the community kind of get the kids in the gym in a safe place, but also to kind of give our kids that work out with us throughout the week an opportunity to play and use some of the stuff that they work on um, in a game-like experience. So um, that's our biggest program right now under the foundation. Um, And we do a couple other things like brunch and basketball uh, once a year. Uh, We do a move for Mother's Day event once a year. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if I'm a parent that's interested in getting my child into the maid, um student athletics what do i need to do yeah the best way to do that would be go to our website which is maystudentathletics.com um and we always offer a free week trial so you know our one week trial allows you to come in and see what we're about um it allows us to you know meet the participant and really just learn about uh who's coming in and has interest in us um, and be realistic about whether this is the right program, you know, for the, yeah. for the youth um, or recommend another direction for them if necessary. 
Yeah, because if a student comes into your program it, and they stay in your program, mm -hmm. you're you're hoping that they gain what from that experience. So ultimately, we want every youth that comes through May Student Athletics to graduate high school with an opportunity to play uh, college sports at any other levels. Um, so, you know, and whatever sport that is that they, they aspire to play. So we're not limited to just basketball. We have actually, we have a, a kid that plays hockey with us right now. I actually was working with him today. So, you know, <laughs> that was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. But we have hockey. Uh, we have some kids who do boxing with us. Um, we have some soccer kids. So we're not limited to just basketball training. Basketball is our foundation. Um, but ultimately, we want our kids to graduate with what we call uh, being college sports ready. And, you know, that includes the college part, the education part, you know, ready for the academics, uh, ready for the, the, the stuff outside of school, and of course, ready for the athletic training and all of the games and things that come with that. Yeah. So if I send my child to you, what does that look like on a, is it a weekly thing? Is it a daily thing? How would that look? And then what is that, what is, what's, what does that make up of? So if mm -hmm. I, my kid is coming once a week, what are they doing for that week? Or if they come in every day, what are they doing for those days? Yeah. So the best way to kind of explain it is to, we, we think about it like group exercise classes. Um, so Throughout the week, we host what we call student athlete development sessions. And our sessions run Monday through Saturday. Um, during the week, we go after school hours. So basically 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And on Saturdays, we go in the morning between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Now, as far as scheduling, uh, it's really just based on, you know, the availability of the parent and the, and the student um, you know, in connection with our hours. Uh, but we have workout sessions every day between those hours. And mm -hmm. a parent can decide, I want to bring my son in Monday and Wednesday uh, this week. We're going to do Tuesday, Thursday this week. Next week, uh, we might do all five days, you know, a week after that. But they have the opportunity to come in and work out as often as they like because um, we're going to be here. We're going to provide the training for them. Um, during that training, uh, they go through 20 minutes of academic time um, where we in the classroom setting. And depending on the day, uh, we're talking to them about different life skills or you know, different character values. So like right now, we're focusing on social awareness and just being aware of the opportunities in our community and in our circle. Um, but there's times when we're talking about goal setting um, or we're talking about how to build a resume, things like that. Uh, once they're done in the classroom, we take them into the actual uh, training session. And the first part is 10 minutes of mobility training, helping kids stay uh, injury-free um, on the court, not on the sidelines. Um, mm -hmm. And then after their mobility session, they go into a speed training, uh, helping them jump higher, run faster, things of that nature. Uh, they have a 20-minute block where they work specifically on whatever sport they do. So again, like I said, they have the opportunity to be multi-sport athletes. If it's basketball one day, football another day, whatever sport you want to focus on for that 20-minute block. 
that's your sports skill time. And then the last 30 minutes of every workout is strength and conditioning. Um, so, you know, helping them get stronger and, uh, you know, bigger and all of those good things. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit to me about you have a nonprofit perspective of this, a portion of it, and then you have a for-profit yeah. uh, distinguished between the two for the audience. Yeah. So through our for-profit side is where we pro, uh, provide most of our training services. So kind of the program that I just mentioned to you is more so on our for-profit side. Um, any of our camps are usually through the for-profit side. Um, and we do a lot of uh, called clinics where maybe we'll go out for once a week, uh, work with a school or work with a, a rec center and provide like a, uh, a basketball class, for example. So all of those things we run on the for-profit side. On our nonprofit side, that's where we do all of our free events. That's where we do all of our fundraising, all of our activities. Um, and anything we do where we're giving back to the community, uh, like every year we do a back to school giveaway, backpack giveaway. Um, so anything like that, we do under the nonprofit side. And also we have some kids who may need uh, financial assistance. So to participate in our training program, you know, if a parent maybe is from a low income household type of situation, uh, we provide financial assistance and scholarship to men in some cases. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So let's talk about you have done this. Uh, how long has May been in operation? So the nonprofit was started in 2014 and then mm -hmm. we added the for-profit side in 2015. So okay. Is, uh, eight or nine years. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah eight, eight to nine years. All right. So you're eight to nine years in it experience. Yeah. And now you have a chance to transport yourself back eight to nine years and give that young man some advice on uh, what you're about to encounter. What are some yeah. um, words of wisdom you would give him? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things would be to really get the business, like get the business side in order um, mm. or just be mindful of the business side. Um, I think coming in, I just was so excited about doing the work of helping, you know, kids who I felt like were like me. Um, and you know, people who, you know, were in a situation where they just had that guidance, who knows uh, what they could do with the, whatever sport they're playing. Um, so I just was excited about the work at first. I didn't really take in the <laughs> accountability, you know, setting up payment plans and uh, mm -hmm. how to make sure you're making money on a regular basis, profit and loss, all of that type of stuff. I didn't even think about any of that. Um, so that would be one of the biggest things. And then I think even with that, it's almost like a double-edged sword. You know, I feel like on some level you can get too much into the business side and, you know, that can almost take away from your passion and, you know, mm -hmm. why you got involved in the first place. So um, 
that's why I said just being mindful, just being mindful of both aspects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sean and I, um, when we talk about this podcast, the the most important thing for us is keeping the spirit of the podcast um, and the way we, when we thought of the podcast and thought it up as an idea, yeah. keeping that spirit central and protecting that spirit and not letting anything kind of come in the way of that. So that's what it sounds a lot like to me. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about um, other things that you're doing from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So you have made athletics, mm -hmm. you have the for-profit and the nonprofit segment of that. Mm -hmm. What other things are you doing with your 1440 in a day? <laughs> yeah. Um, so right now, I also, uh, basically, I rent vehicles out um, via a platform called Turo. Um, and, you know, this is something I've been doing now, I think, for about two years. Um, so that's one of the major things, one of the major things I'm spending time on a consistent basis. Um and then I'm also working on a clothing brand currently. Um, so that's something new that's that's in the pot. But uh, yeah, that's those are my things right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talk a little bit more about Turo. So yeah. how does that work? If somebody wants is interested in, in getting a car, what do they have to do? Yeah, so the Turo platform works a lot like Airbnb. Um, but it is basically the Airbnb for car rentals. Um, so you would just go on to Turo.com or they have a Turo app and, you know, you could choose the dates and the times of you, the, your desired rental. Um, you can choose the type of car you're interested in. You're looking for an SUV or you're looking for something luxurious, um, you kind of go through those options and basically you book a vehicle. And on the other end of that, there's what's called a host who is responsible for, you know, making sure the car is safe, making sure the car is in good condition, um, making sure you have everything you need uh, when you arrive for whatever your trip is. And um, pretty much it's a, a simple transaction. After that, you get the car keys, you have a, uh, car to use for your time and they get paid once you're done <laughs> yeah okay so let's talk about in totality yeah. where you are and where you see yourself going so let's imagine that there was a switch that you could flip and you're doing and experiencing everything that you want to experience with regards to Detroit Made or Made Student Athletics and all your other various businesses. Talk to me about what that looks like. You flip the switch and it's going beautifully like you would hope it to hope to hope it to be going. Yeah. So for me, the biggest thing would be uh I want to say uh automation. Um or everything kind of running itself. Um, and really, for me, it's about, you know, starting to build wealth um, and starting to leave a legacy 
just for my children and you know grandchildren and things of that nature so when i visualize what you talk about um what i'm seeing is more of like a family business structure and these businesses that we talked about today being uh subsidiaries up under that larger umbrella and kind of funding our generational wealth so um that's where we're headed <laughs> all right very good so this podcast goes to a worldwide audience think about what somebody in the audience can tangibly do to help you attain that goal that vision that you just spoke of uh, and speak to our audience what is something that they can tangibly do to help support you get to that place yeah so one of the major things right now um, we're always looking for volunteers. Uh, so we have a 3v3 basketball league that we're running um, pretty much every season. It usually goes for six to eight weeks. We're always in need of coaches. Uh, we're, always, we're always in need of uh, scorekeepers, referees, things of that nature. Um, even in the Midnight Run program, a lot of times uh, it's just me, myself, running the entire event, uh, but, you know, we, we can use coaches and referees during that program, as well as we've had a couple of uh, special guests, uh, referees who, you know, may have some uh, popularity in the world. So a lot of times it's fun just to have like a, a former NBA player come and referee a basketball game for the kids or um, a really popular DJ come and play the music for us. So um, we'd love to have volunteers for those programs and also even sponsors. If you're interested in promoting your brand and kind of supporting, uh, youth at the same time, um, that'd be extremely beneficial for us as well. So. Okay. So volunteers and sponsorship beyond that, you kind of, uh, you see it kind of trending in the way you want it to go at this point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely trending in the way we want to go. Um, there's a lot of work to be done, um, for sure. You know, right now we're at a, a, a spot where we're leasing space um, uh, within the building, but we want to get to a point where we have our own standalone building. And then, you know, maybe from there have multiple standalone buildings. So, yeah. 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 All right. So I think I want to get to this. Um, let's talk a lot about talk a well, talk a little bit about what it's like being a dad, right? So you're a dad three times over, yeah. Maybe a granddad three times over, yeah. Talk about how <laughs> talk about that that part of your life, man. It's uh, it's really great. It's to me, it's um, it's the it's challenging. It's the most challenging aspect of my life, and that's kind of like the the good and the bad part about it. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think I'm somebody who kind of uh, benefits from challenge. You know, I, I think the pressure makes me turn up a little bit. So, um, you know, being a dad is just one of those things that always kind of puts a mirror in front of you and make you really look at yourself like, uh, you, you, you ain't doing it. You ain't doing it like you think you're doing it. So, so uh, 
you know. Um, it's great, man. You know, those moments are always great with your kids and, and things like that. But at the same time, it's one of those things that challenges me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have one daughter and two sons. Uh, is it is a difference between raising daughters and sons? Because I've only had the uh, pleasure of raising sons. So yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so there is a, there is definitely a difference. Um, I'm still figuring out what the difference is. I think, I just, <laughs> to be honest, uh, but I do think um, now I'm at a point where I don't think it's as big a difference as I once mm. did. Um, mm, okay. Maybe I feel like it's promoted. Um, so, with all that being said. It's different, but I don't think too different, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the things, some of the tenets of what you stand on has to apply to all, right? Yeah. It can't just sure. apply to one, especially along gender lines. Sure. All right, yeah, I, I thought I, I better uh, chronicle that as well. All yeah, right, so yeah. let's jump into uh, what yeah, I think is. On, I, want, I want to shout out, shout out. Shout out my children, man. You know, we brought them up. So, Dariel. Oh, absolutely. Yes, Dariel, uh, Darius Jr., and Daniel, you know, my three babies, you know, mm-hmm. the person I am. So, shout out to them. Yeah. Yeah. While you added, you might as well shout out the wife as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Mrs. Mrs. Lewis, as I call her. Yep. So, Danielle <laughs> Lewis. You know, I mentioned her early in her podcast, so that's you know, so I let her slide on this part. But yeah, Daniel Lewis, shout out, mom. Yep, yep. that's uh, that's the whole gang. Uh, shout out to yeah. um, your mom as well, Kristen mm-hmm. Percy. Uh, uh, Kristen Browner, Browner now, yep. <laughs> Browner, yep. Browner. My bad. Uh, shout out to her as well. All right, so let's get to this. Uh, most challenging question of the podcast. You ready? Yes. Have you ever graced the cover of a magazine? Never graced the cover of a magazine. I have been featured in news articles, um, you know, I think a few times for basketball in high school, um, but uh, I know May was in a news article. around 2013, 2014, but mm-hmm. never on a cover. Mm. Have you ever envisioned yourself being on a magazine cover? Has that ever crossed your mind throughout your years? That's a good question. I feel like I'm up and down about that. And now I'm, it, you, this is uh, kind of speaks to my personality, but uh, you know, there are times where it's like, I think about it and it's like, yeah, maybe I could see that, but it's not something that it's like uh, uh, I really want to be on the cover of a magazine. So I, I think I'm one of the few people who rather be behind the scenes and you not know who I am unless you know who I am. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah believe it or not, I'm the same way. Um, Sean got me out front like this yeah. on this podcast, but I'd rather be behind the scenes and making moves that way. Right. But as we do for each and every one of our guests is we place them on the dripping in black magazine cover. So 
my uh, executive producer, Sean Smith S squared, is going to show yours. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yep. So that is a parting gift right. that we will give out, uh, laminate, and send to you at a later date as a big thank you for coming on to the podcast. And so, and that will be your first magazine cover of yes. many more to come, but we'll yes. always have that first place slot. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's cool. Yep. Uh, any shout outs you want to give? I know you did the kids already. Anybody else you want to shout out before we close this thing out? Um, definitely want to shout out you guys for, uh, you know, doing what you're doing with Dripping in Black and getting me on and this opportunity. Um, and then just you as my as my dad, you know, this is something that to me is like a uh, maybe like a, another chapter for you. And it gives me something to uh, be inspired by to see, you know, my dad still doing things, still trying things um, as he gets older. And, uh, you know, even my mom saying things. So shout out to her. Um, shout out to the whole Lewis clan, like we said earlier. And then just the made team, you know, coach, my coaches are, I have some great coaches and not just in the sense of coaching and training, but just as people, you know, mm -hmm. the people that we have on our team right now, I really feel like represent what made represents for me in my eyes. And, and that's just, like I said at the beginning, trying to be the best you can be, um, you know, day in and day out. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Coach Leon. Uh, shout out to our other coach, Coach Sully. Shout out to all the May student athletes and uh, health leads. That's our adult training program uh, as well. So we do have adults who come and work out with us. So if you're interested in getting a, a workout and you're a mom or a dad, don't be shy. Um, so, yeah, shout out to all those people. Yeah. Yeah, drop anything uh, social media-wise and uh internet wise people can do to reach out and try to link up with you in any possible way yeah so best way is always to go to our website maystudentathletics.com um, we try to start there with any of our promotion and, and posting and things like that you'll see things there first um and then on instagram uh facebook we're may student athletics all one word at may student athletics um, uh, we do have a YouTube page as well, and that's May Student Athletics. So uh, we post workouts uh, with our kids from there, or um, like I said, we have a three-on-three -three basketball league. We post some of our highlights or even full games to the YouTube channel. And uh, I think that's it, social media-wise, yep. Yeah. All right, big thanks to uh, Darius Lewis for coming on and sharing this story with us uh love you to death love you and, too uh be in touch um as always we want to give a huge thanks to all of our listeners viewers supporters and subscribers and remind you all that the dibk drip shop is open go to dibkdripshop.com to cop dripping in black merch such as the t-shirt that i'm wearing here 
the cup that I've been drinking my lemon water out of and lots of lots of other merchandise there for your choosing represent black excellence and as always until next time be kind be loving and be excellent on purpose it is a choice on the next dripping in black podcast is psychotherapist and founder of community one stop Ms. Jasmine Noble. But you know, there's the harmful effects of gentrification that pushes people out of their community. And they've been there for years. And now because, you know, there's a grocery store um, built down the road, it raises their taxes and now it's hard for them to pay their taxes. I think something is wrong with that. Um, So buying the land, helps us to preserve the harmful effects of gentrification, to preserve that community. just experienced a Dripping in Black production.